If you all will, bow your heads with me again for another word of prayer before we get started. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, uh, for your wonderful blessings. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, thank you for uh, giving us safety as we've all been traveling so much this past week, bringing us to another Sabbath, another time when we can come together and worship you and study your word and learn more about your character. Uh, we thank you for um, your love for us. We just ask that you would speak to us today through your word. And we just thank you for uh, what you're going to do for us and, and what you've already done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The title of my sermon today is The Joy of Giving or The Joy of Thanksgiving. And uh, Rosemary, did you change the sign out there? Daniel changed it. Whoever changed it is perfect for today's message. Uh, it's, it uh, totally brings out the meaning of what I, I want to uh, speak about today. Well, I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. I know that we did. Uh, Peggy and, and some of the other ladies got together and, and really just put on a great Thanksgiving dinner for the, the Stonewall family and, and donated the extra forks and, uh, plates and spoons to the church. So she was thinking of us still. And, uh, yeah, we just had such a wonderful time. You know, I'm um I'm super big on letting our kids know what why we do things. I don't want to get lost in uh, the rituals of rituals. You know what I'm saying? I don't I don't want to be like Brother Glenn talks about that that woman who cut her turkey in half or something before she cooked it and and uh, then her daughter did it and there was somebody asked her daughter why do you do that and and she said because mom always did it like that and then she finally asked her mom why she did that and her mom said well, it was because my pan was too small you know i don't know i don't want i don't want our children to grow up not uh knowing why we <clears throat> do certain things and and there's this uh there's this quote that that uh, i believe uh really backs that up. It's, it says, we have nothing to fear for the future. We have nothing to fear for the future except as we shall forget the way the Lord has led us and His teachings in our past history. So as long as we remember, we have nothing to fear. So, Thanksgiving, is it all about just getting together and having a big dinner, watching a football game and going to shop on black friday i want to tell you that this this thanksgiving for me was one of the most special ones i've had in a long time just because i didn't think about shopping on black friday all day long that's the first time that's happened in a long time so it was it was very special but yeah thanksgiving why do we celebrate thanksgiving how did we even come up with the uh with the fourth thursday how do we even come up with that well, of course we know. Everybody knows the original story. In October of October, <clears throat> October of 1621, the Pilgrims got together with the Indians. They had just harvested their their uh, gardens, and and uh, for three days, the feast lasted. 
and we know how many people even attended. There were 90 Native Americans, and there were 53 pilgrims. And I want to read to you something from the governor, uh, William Bradford, in 1620. Uh, in the Pilgrim Colony at Plymouth, uh, Massachusetts, he said, All ye pilgrims, with your wives and little ones, do gather at the meeting house on the hill, there to listen to the pastor and render thanksgiving to Almighty God for all His blessings. Now, many of the pilgrims had even died, but they're still giving thanks to God for all His many, many blessings. Um, Well, um, on November 1st, 1777, by order of Congress, the first national Thanksgiving proclamation Proclamation was proclaimed and signed by Henry Lawrence, President of Continental Congress, the third Thursday of December, 1777. So it used to be on the third Thursday of December. Now let's see what uh, what what they had to say about that. They said uh, what what Thanksgiving is for. They said for a solemn Thanksgiving and praise that with one heart and one voice the good people may express the grateful feelings of their hearts and consecrate themselves to the service of their divine benefactor and their humble and earnest supplications that it may please God through the merits of Jesus Christ mercifully to forgive and blot uh, them, their manifold sins, out of remembrance. Beautiful words. Um, and then again, we have another proclamation. Uh, this was in November 26, 1789 by George, President George Washington. He declared Thursday, November 26, 1789 is a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to God Almighty, our creator. I love that one. Okay, many years later, I'm almost done. Many years later, on October 3rd, 1863, Abraham Lincoln proclaimed by act of Congress an annual National Day of Thanksgiving on the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. In this Thanksgiving proclamation, our 16th president says that it is announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations are blessed whose God is the Lord. But we have forgotten God, he says. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined by the deceitfulness of our own hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. It seemed to me fit and proper that God should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people And under Franklin T. Roosevelt, Franklin D. Roosevelt, 
the, the date was changed to the fourth Thursday in November, and the innovation continues today. So, today, I like, I like what George Washington said, uh, in thanksgiving and honor to, uh, God our Creator. And in remembrance, remembrance of that, remembrance of what the pilgrims did. It lasted how many days? Three days, right? This is, so this would be the third day of our Thanksgiving festival. And it happens to be on Sabbath, right? Which is commemoration of God who created us and created everything else. We've come together to give Him honor and glory as our Creator. Can we offer another Thanksgiving? Does anybody have Thanksgiving for what the Lord has done for them throughout this past year? If anybody has something to say, just raise your hand and Michael will bring the, the mic around to you. Uh, anybody have a Thanksgiving to God? I have so much that um, I could take up the time, but I won't because God is so good Amen. to me. Uh, two things come to mind. One is I am thankful that um, my children, who are not in church and living their own life, running hard to find what they, at least my son describes as his own God, somehow doesn't he doesn't forget to send me a text and say, Mom, will you pray for me? Amen. That may seem like a small thing to some, but to me that's huge because just a couple of years ago, you know, you couldn't even speak of God to him. So I believe God is working in his heart as well as my daughter, and I thank God for that glimmer of hope. And second, um, looking over the Thanksgiving Day meal that we had and how there was so much food, we didn't even know what to do with it. Um, my heart goes out to those children in Yemen and other parts of the world that are starving to death simply because of war and because of different political things that are going on. And I thought about them, and I thought about that little plate that my mom had on the wall all my life when I was growing up. It had a little verse on it that said, Thank God for dirty dishes. They have a tell to tell. While others may go hungry, we're eating very well. And it, uh, I thought of that on, on Thursday, and uh, I just gave God thanks for more than enough. And um, I just uh, I ask God to please um, help those who have less and don't have that. Amen. I have to say I have to thank God. Um, <clears throat> the past few years have been very hard and trying, but he has taught me how to praise him in, in spite of my hardest days. And that's what I've been trying to teach the kids every morning. Just recently we got to move, and I'm so grateful for the mountains because every day it just proclaims of God's mercy and goodness. And when the kids are like, well, we don't have this and we don't have that, and da da da, da well, it doesn't matter. He provides for all of our needs just like he promised in his word. And that I'm very thankful for. Um, sometimes I, you know, lately I have been struggling with what was my purpose? Um, why am I here? I'm going to get really emotional because I always get emotional, but every morning for the last little bit, I've been asking God to show me, show me my purpose. 
for that day. And he's never failed me. Amen. You asked about um, blessings from the, the year, I think you mentioned, for the whole year. So I guess i say the first blessing with, starts on exactly New Year's Day and New Year's morning when we uh, woke up in our mobile home in Montana and saw that it was 50 degrees below zero. <laughs> and we were just praising the Lord because it ended up being the coldest, probably the, I think one of the coldest or the coldest winter they've had even in that part of Montana. And like the entire month of February, I rarely got above 20 below zero and stuff like that. It was just, it was just more than I was expecting. <laughs> but we were just praising the Lord because the entire, you know, crazy winter in that mobile home, our power never went out. Which was a good thing because, you know, electricity is the only way we could have heat and our pipes would have frozen. Everything would have, you know, would have been crazy. And I, in fact, our landlord's pipes did freeze in his house because he wasn't there the whole uh, winter and stuff. And wow. so we were just blessed for that. And, and, um, and then also praising the Lord that my wife was able to get her permanent resident card finally after a year and a half after applying for it about. So that was a blessing. And then just, um, other blessings of, of being able to, see some major changes and finally catching on to some of the things going on with my health issues that, that, that I've been kind of struggling with. And the Lord's really opening up some things that have been healing for that and, and discovering new things. So it's been a blessing too. And just, just really praising the Lord. Amen. And, and praising the Lord that we could come here today and be with family too. And- Amen. So good to have you all. Well, there's, there is a lot to praise the Lord for. Amen. <laughs> And, and of course, you know, and, and throughout the Bible, you know, the one text that's used over and over again, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. And yeah. I do praise him for that. And also, you know, you know, my life is, uh, living at Christina's kitchen and, uh, it's, it's a miracle each day. Um, it's hard work on your feet and just go, go, go and then lots of time pressures and, um, I have a hard time struggling with stress and managing it, and but God has um, He has helped me physically and I, as spiritually too. As I see people's lives being touched, and it's really encouraging. And I just praise the Lord and and pray for each one too that that we um, are in touch with each day. And and also I want to praise the Lord for family. It's such a blessing to have us all together and. So, um, so anyway, I'll just leave it at that. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Jody? All of us have it as every year goes, has its ups and downs and what's this for and why and whatever. But sometimes you learn later how God has seen ahead and done this or that. So I'm thankful. Amen. Amen. I feel funny sharing because I feel like I share every week, but I can't be quiet anyway, so that's okay. Uh, <laughs> I I have to say this year has probably been the the biggest challenge of our lives as far as Daniel and I um, just uh, really seeking God's leading and asking him what he wants to do. And I just want to praise God for the amazing ways that he just, absolutely makes it clear uh, what you are supposed to do. And, you know, I feel like uh, Daniel should be the one saying this, but, you know, as far as him completely turning around and changing careers this year uh, was never on our bucket list. Um, he always told me before we got married that he would never be a pastor. And, um, you know, it was 
It was one of those things I had communicated with him. I was like, hey, you know, I always thought about marrying, marrying a pastor, being a pastor's wife. He's like, well, if you're interested in me, I am never going to be a pastor. <laughs> and uh, so I just want to make that clear before we get married. <laughs> and uh, so when when the call came from the conference to ask him to be a pastor, I stayed out of it. You know, I said, I'll pray with you, but it has to be your decision. And um, I'm just so excited to see how God is just, completely just opened the doors, opened the walls of the Red Sea and allowed us to pass through them on dry land and just made it totally clear this is what I want you to do. And um, I'm just very thankful. Amen. 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 <laughs> Lord's been working on that for a long time, hasn't he, brother? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I feel like I've already heard a good enough sermon. We can all just go on home now. But the Lord is good. I guess uh, that's what I've heard all morning long. The Lord is good. I wanna, I wanna praise the Lord for answered prayer. And it was so good to see uh, just so much, so much family this week. And uh, I kept on thinking, this is what it's going to be like when we get to heaven. It was so good to see. So much, so much of my family that has continued to hold on to the Advent hope that Jesus is coming soon. And I'm also thankful for that there's still time for those who have not held on to the Advent hope. I'm going to preach this as fast as I can. We're going to talk about another dinner, one that happened a long couple thousand years ago. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, we're going to read about a dinner that consisted of 5,000 people, plus their wives and children. We're going to start reading in verse 13 through 21. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, talking about John the Baptist being beheaded, When he heard about this, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to meet you, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples. The disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. In this parable, well, it's not really, it's kind of a parable. Here is a, a spiritual lesson that is deep down in this story. Imagine, let's imagine this story. <clears throat> in our mind's I we could say, Jesus has been teaching and healing all day long. 
And then, you know, the disciples, they're, they're getting a little antsy, you know. Does anybody ever get antsy in your pews ready to go home and get something to eat? <laughs> well, the disciples were, they were ready to go get something to eat. So they're, they're going up to Jesus and saying, hey, um, we're hungry. I'm sure these people are hungry. Let's go. Let's go and, and send them away go so they can go get some food. Jesus said, no, no. You feed them. And I'm sure, now let's, let's, let's think of ourselves in, 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 in say, Judas's perspective, right? Judas was the, the frugal one, right? Worried about the poor, but he was really worried about who? Himself. So he's thinking to himself, okay, we got five loaves of bread here and a couple of fish. Jesus is wanting us to bring it to him. I know, Jesus, eh, he's going to invite us to sit down and we're going to eat, you know, with our little family of disciples that we have here. And maybe what we have left over, he might give a little bit to the crowd. But no, that's not what Jesus does. He, they bring him the food and Jesus, first he, he blesses it. And then he imparts the disciples and the disciples Jesus bids to impart to the people and then the people in turn impart another and then Jesus and the disciples pick up 12 baskets of fragments and eat what's left over so here is an example to the the workers, the workers for Christ, the disciples of Christ. Are we all disciples? Jesus received from the Father. The disciples received from Jesus. The disciples imparted to the people. Christ is the great center is the great source of all bread. I'm talking about spiritual bread here. I'm talking about the bread of life. As we receive the bread of life from Christ, we impart it to those around us. Now, I I don't know if you've had the same experience, but I've had this experience where I can be talking to someone and, and be talking about spiritual things to them and it doesn't matter if if the Spirit is not speaking through me, if I'm not receiving from Jesus what I'm telling to whoever I'm talking to, they are not getting it. I mean, they're looking this way and that way, and, and just, I can tell they are overwhelmed with what I'm trying to say. I'm getting nowhere. But then, you know, I ask the Lord, Lord, speak through me. Tell me what he needs, what he needs to hear. And then, you know, uh, I just had this experience the other day. He, he, then he just interrupted me. Thank the Lord. He interrupted me <laughs> and asked me a question. And that's what his soul needed to hear. Jesus knows what the souls of the people need to hear. Um, not us. And as we receive from Jesus, then we can impart it. Um, I want to read this quote to you too. 
Uh, it says, we can impart only as we receive, and we can receive only as we impart. As we continue to impart, we shall continue to receive. And the more we impart, the more we shall receive. In our scripture reading this morning, Proverbs eleven twenty four, it says, There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Give it away, and you will increase more. Hoard it up to yourself, and it's going to lead to poverty. Now, think about, on the way to church here, we pass this big, huge pond. And in the summertime, it gets really green. It has no outlet. There's no, it's no running anywhere. Is it receiving showers from heaven? Absolutely. It's not giving it away, so what's going on? Is it, is it a blessing to anyone or anything? No. It is a green, gross-smelling, terrible pool mud hole is what it is. But then think about the streams of water. When I was a kid, we'd go to the woods every every weekend, and we were fascinated with Indians because at the at the time we thought we were we had so much Native American blood in us. And then I'm not sure who it was. It was either Peggy or Meniza that killed that for us. Um, yeah, we we totally thought we were these little Native American kids, and and it was always our our just uh, endeavor to prove how Indian we could be. We drunk out of the creek. Um, <laughs> we uh, built rock. Well, we, we did all kinds of stuff. But but I, I can always remember, you know, we, we always, somehow we got the idea that as the water runs over the rocks, it gets purified. Nine rocks? Oh, that sounds good, yeah. So... Yeah, I can remember as a kid getting down and thinking, I know I've heard a lot of people say this isn't safe, but the Indians did it, so I'm going to do it. So that's what we did. We drank out of the creek, and I remember it tasted really good. It's good tasting water. I would not recommend that to anyone. Children, do not try that. Don't drink out of the creek. Um, But the water, the clear crystal water that's running, that's moving, that's going somewhere, that's being a blessing to something else. Clear as crystal. Tastes really good. There's a little box spring down, down in the steel hauler. I bet Rosemary knows about that box spring. All, a lot of people went there and got water, hauled water from there. Now, it was running when you all were kids, right? Yeah, and it's still running now. How is it that this spring has never ran out of water? Well, it's it was God's plan. These springs that keep giving, that keep giving life, will keep receiving. Keep receiving to impart and be a blessing to others. There is not a bird. There is not a blade of grass. There is not a leaf on a tree that does not minister to something else, that does not bless the life of another animal or another human being. Without the leaves 
of the trees, not an animal or a human could survive. And what about, what about the ocean? It receives streams of every river, every, every lake, but yet it imparts and sends out rain to bring forth a harvest, to water the ground. Angels, holy angels, it is their joy to minister to fallen humanity, to bring a little light to their life, to protect them, to bring them in to communion with Christ, who is closer to them than what they even know. It is nothing short of the heart of man itself that can minister only to itself. That receives blessing without imparting it to others. In Mark chapter 6, Mark's account of the feeding of the 5,000 He says that Jesus had went all day without eating when he fed the 5,000. Now, we, it is so easy for us to disconnect the humanness of Christ. We forget that Jesus was God in the flesh. He felt the same feelings that we feel. And Jesus had been all day long bringing healing to the sick, bringing sight to the blind. All day long, he had been ministering to the lives of others. He was, I'm sure he was probably pale and tired and hungry himself. But yet he continued ministering to others, ministering to others. You know, there is only one person, there's a few people, that thanked Jesus when He healed them. But there is only really one person that I can think of that ever did something extraordinarily nice for Jesus. Only one person. That was Mary Magdalene. You know why? Because she she did not let her preconceived ideas overrule what Jesus was actually saying. When Jesus said, I'm going to die, she didn't say, no, I don't understand that. You're going to set up an earthly kingdom. You're not going anywhere. Just completely ignored it. She listened. And she did something special for Jesus. Went and spent a whole year's wages on a, a bottle of nard and poured it on his head. And, and Jesus, as, as some of the disciples were, were, uh, uh, talking bad about her for doing this, Jesus commended her for doing this. Uh, although Jesus did not come to, to, to be served, but to serve, he still commended Mary for doing this because he said, the poor are with you always. I'm not going to always be with you. And how many of the disciples, I wonder, do you think wished, wished with everything they had 
that they would have done something nice for Jesus after he was dead. How often do we ourselves wait until it's too late to do something nice for someone who has been blessing us our whole life? We wait and we wait. It's too late. Then we want to. Then we want to do something nice. I don't remember if I, I read this story or I heard this story. I'm not sure if it's a true story or not, but went along well with the lesson that I'm talking about today. There's, there was this mother. She had a lot of kids. A lot of kids. Uh, somewhere around 10. And every morning, just like clockwork, when their, her kids got up, they had three-course breakfast on the table. Always up and ready for them. She got up two hours before they did. Always had breakfast ready for them. Always smiling. Always uh, encouraging them to go throughout their day. And and uh, just, to, just to be happy. And then one day, this went on for years and years and years, and the youngest son, the youngest son may have been 18 years old. And the youngest son, one morning he woke up. He got up, went downstairs, he didn't smell anything. There was no breakfast on the table. And his mother was sitting in the chair with her head in her hands. And he's like, where's breakfast? She said, I'm sorry, Johnny, you're going to have to make something yourself today what you didn't make me breakfast are you serious out the door he goes angry as he can be and then later that same day he gets a phone call and his mother's gone she's actually committed suicide can you imagine how that young man wished he could have told his mother how much he loved her? How much he wished he could have done something nice for her after she had spent so many years and years and years doing and doing and doing for them. You know... um, Johanna, Johanna, she, everybody here knows how she loves, she loves her stuffed animals. See, if you don't believe me, there's proof. There's a box here somewhere that has a whole bunch of them in there. She brings them to church with her every Sabbath. She loves her stuffed animals. And she, um, occasionally she'll give a stuffed animal away to someone here and there. And not not too long ago, she she gave one to her cousin Allison. And uh, Allison, a few months later after that, I guess we went to go visit them, and Allison said, come here, Johanna. And she took Johanna to her room and showed her. She said, look. And there was a stuffed animal that Johanna had given her. That made her feel just so special, I'm sure. And do you know what would 
what I think would make God feel like that is if what we took would He's given us and we would share it, if we would impart it to others. I think that would bring joy. You know, uh, there's this young lady in the the magazine, Adventist Frontiers. She was reading in her Bible for the first time. She's reading Romans 5, verse 8, where it says, God has demonstrated His love towards us in that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. She read this, and all she could say was, Beautiful, beautiful. This is beautiful. There are so many afflicted souls out there. So many people out there that feel distraught, that feel like life is, is terrible, that feel like, uh, they can't even make it through the day. That a look of kindness, a, a word of encouragement would be like a cup of cold water to the thirsty soul. Jesus says, as freely as you have received, freely give. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are so, so thankful for the gift of salvation, for the gift of forgiveness, for the gift that you have given us to spend eternity with you one day, Lord. And we're, we're, we're so sorry if we have ever hoarded it up for ourselves and not shared it with someone else. A kind look, a kind action. Um, a kind word, uh, sharing what little bit we may know of your love for us with those who need it most. Uh, Lord, we ask uh, for forgiveness and we ask for empowerment from your Spirit to fill us every day to look for each and every opportunity. We can, we can be a blessing to an afflicted soul by following the example of our wonderful Lord and Savior. Um, be with us, Father. And We thank you and we praise you for what you're going to do. We know that you're coming as soon and we know our time is short. So we thank you, Lord, uh, for allowing us to be part of this great work. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen.